0: Every company has one. The place where the hats with the wrong logo are hidden from sight. The empty office where the bags that miss the event date are banished. The storage room where the shirts with the smeared imprints are entombed. It's called the Closet of Shame. And every promotional products distributor has a story about making an unwanted contribution. In this podcast, those stories will be shared and the impact on the client relationship will be explored. The Closet of Shame is available only at Promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry. Now, here's your host, Bill Petrie. And welcome to the latest episode of The Closet of Shame. I am your host, Bill Petrie, and it's available only at Promo Corner. You know, we couldn't do these podcasts without our great sponsors, and one of our great sponsors happens to be our good friends at Bay State. You know, a lot of people are right now in this time are looking for self-promos, so they have a $50 self-promo catalog offer. Their entire catalog is broken down into $50 self-promo offers, meaning one color imprint, one free PDF proof is included. So it might be 180 coasters. It might be 45 ice scrapers, but it's all going to cost you 50 bucks plus shipping. Not a bad deal at all. So go to basedate.com and check that out for those $50 self promo offers. I'm real excited today on the Closet of Shame to welcome a good friend of mine, Swag Sam Kabert. What up, Bill Petrie? Excited to be here. I got to say what what up! Huh. All right, I have to say what up. What up? What up? Good to have you here, man. So glad you're here. For those of you who don't know Swag Sam Cabert, he is a lightning rod in the industry. He just turned 30 by the time this comes out. And he is uh, a second-generation uh, business owner uh, from his parents, Value BP. And he's really kind of taken a turn in how that company is perceived and what he's trying to do. He's an author of several ebooks and now a print book. Sam, what did I miss? I mean, you got a hell of a intro there. I, I don't know what I missed.
1: Uh, my dog's probably going to bark during this podcast and disrupt it. So there's that. but um th- four podcasts a week with uh, the promo kitchen one that's now, right. too, that we're doing
0: that's right you do have a great I should mention that you have a great podcast network with the uh, what up Silicon Valley network and you do the wrap up for promo chat every Friday for promo kitchen for those of you who don't participate in promo chat it's a really cool thing happens every Wednesday at two o'clock p.m. central and then Sam will take one uh, answer that uh, he particularly liked that week and interview that person and what about a five or six minute podcast on Friday to kind of wrap things up is that about right
1: that's pretty much it follow up Fridays
0: awesome follow-up friday well i am really glad to have you here i I think i told you the genesis of this idea is as distributors we've all contributed unwillingly many times to our clients closets of shame that place where they hide the promo that didn't go quite right and i had a feeling you might have a story for us so can you tell everybody about a story where promo may have gone a little sideways man i
1: i'm trying to think bill and uh you did prep me for this and there's at first I couldn't think of anything. Right. And then I realized I was lying to myself and then yes, I started, you are. <laughs> right. And then I realized, well, okay, I can't think of anything recently. So it made me feel a little bit better Then i am go, I'm peeling back the onion. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm going back to the early days. And when I first got started in the business, it, I mean, I didn't really know too much of what I was doing. And
0: well, that's the thing though. Most of these, most of these big El wapos happen the early in the early part of our careers. And that's how we learn.
1: Exactly. So that's a great little uh, introduction in this because I always tell my clients and prospects that I like to start with the end in mind. The very first question I ask is, "When do you need it?" You know, and they don't know the mm-hmm. enhanced date, so I try not sure. to say enhanced date, but you know the delivery date, and then work on a buffer. But going back, I was in college when I started my first business in this industry, and I don't remember all the details. But for a classmate, his family owned a um, a big pumpkin patch and they wanted to do some like Christmas ornaments. I think we did. And they came in late and it was like after season or something. I don't remember all the details, but essentially, you know, well, that clearly. Was, yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I clearly don't, but I remember the enhanced date was missed. And then, you know, right. since then I, I, I don't think I've ever really missed an enhanced date and I'm not going out any factories, but a more recent one was really a dagger in the heart because uh, it was a top client that I inherited. It was house and count and um, big pizza chain out here, and they do a lot of business with us. And they don't anymore, <laughs> not with yeah. me at least. We have so, one long-standing project.
0: So the enhanced date that was missed, without again out- outing any certain supplier, what happened? Let's let's delve into that second one a little bit. Yeah. What happened with that enhanced date that was missed?
1: For sure. So we were talking with uh, leadership at the factory and everything was squared away in terms of uh, proof approvals and it's just everything, right? You know, and the ship dates, uh, the fact that I was going, I think it was supposed to go three-day select as opposed to ground. Our PO reflected that. Their order confirmation reflected that. I was talking like the owner and then my sales rep. What happened was someone in their shipping and receiving Checked ground and then it, whoever it was, it's a few years ago. If it was UPS or FedEx, after a ton of calls, we couldn't unlock it. You know, that whole thing they talk about that's mm-hmm. locked on it, <laughs> and yeah, it's just sitting there like there's nothing we can do just because someone made an error of you know the wrong drop down. And now these beanies are being missed for a holiday party, and the guy's gonna sit on them for an entire year because he doesn't want to distribute oh, them no. to 30 plus locations to his employees, right. So
0: what did the, what did is that what the client ended up doing?
1: Yeah. He sat on them for a year. (laughs) So when that,
0: so when that happened, I mean, what was your first reaction when, when, cause it sounds like, you know, we've all had those orders where nothing goes right. Right. That you get told an email, a proof was emailed and we're going to ship it this day and we're going to ship it this method and just things just sometimes it's snake bit. What was your reaction when, you know, you knew you couldn't fix it for your client for that year?
1: Well, that's a great question. And, you know, we always, uh, so I went to school at Chico State and I had a customer service class that was all about customer service. (laughs) But I I would hope the customer service (laughs)
0: class is about customer service. Uh,
1: Okay. 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 So um, it's about turning moments of misery into moments of magic. So my background is in office supply sales primarily, and there might be like a little mess up, uh, you know, just... A delivery or something's uh, not in stock, whatever it is, something that's not a big deal. And we used to joke in the office that like, oh, can we intentionally make a mistake? Because then you go above and beyond and turn that into a moment of magic. And then they're forever grateful, right? So I tried to take that same approach Mm -hmm. with this specific client. He's one of those ones where you know, we get a lot of business from him, but when he's looking at his vendors, you know, we're very small vendors, so we don't right. get the time of day. And it's impossible to get a response on anything really. So it, he'll only respond if, you know, it's pro- approvals and that type of stuff. So even mm-hmm. there, as I'm calling like voicemails and just trying to do everything I can, can't even get a response. So, there, so I just felt like I was hopeless.
0: Yeah, so he's like almost unwilling to participate in the resolution, it sounds like. That's a good way to put it. Um, And it's interesting because I I, I read a lot of books like my friend Kirby, and and one I I love is by Danny Meyer called Setting the Table. He's a restaurateur, but it's really more about hospitality and bringing the hospitality mentality into the business world. And it's kind of what you were talking about there. When things go wrong, you can look at it two ways. Oh, shit this is bad, or this is now my opportunity to absolutely be a hero, right? You talk about it in your brand hero podcast. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, but a little quick plug there, a little subtle plug. Um, but I think that's, it's, what's important is you have to have the other person on the other side of that issue. They have to be willing to dance.
1: Yeah. it's a great way to put it. And you know, there's been, um, uh, thinking something more uh, early on, uh, January of this year, we had another project like this, and, um, you know, the tech company, they didn't even care. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, that happens, too. There's both sides of it. so
0: That's 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 cool, you know. And so when when you have a situation like that where the guy's unwilling to per- participate in what you're trying to resolve, what do you do? I mean, do you throw your hands up and say, well, screw it, I can't do anything, or do you take another tactic?
1: You know, looking back, at it, I think I should have um, – been a little bit more proactive, you know, maybe put something in the mail, you know, we talk about lumpy mail and promotional products, that type of stuff and send send something to his house with a handwritten note. I don't recall if I did that or not, but I'd hope if that were to happen today, that's the approach I would take. Um, I think that's always a good way to go about it. What do you think, Bill?
0: I I, I think, you know, at some point you, you push and push and push and at some point if their mind is made up you have to be have you have to be able to read that at some point you have to say it's not going to work out for me and we've all had clients like that where even if it wasn't a huge mistake in their mind it might have been and it might have been the deal breaker and so no matter what you say no matter what promises you make no matter how you try to lumpy mail your way out of it That's sometimes it. you can't and it's kind of having that intuition of you know what my time is better spent elsewhere. And what you do is you say, you know, from my perspective, you take the lesson, you know, it's, it's, this is an industry where there's lessons with every failure. And if you don't take those lessons, you're going to make the same mistake twice. Like you were talking about in your first example of a, of a fail that, you know, you, you really weren't focused on the enhanced date and some other things. I bet that never happened again. Yeah. The first time you screw that up, it doesn't happen again.
1: And it's still, we have a partnership with the factories we work with, right? That's the way the industry works. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I take responsibility for it anytime we miss it now. But I know if it's not my fault or my team's fault, you know, and it's not anymore because we do our due diligence. But, it, but here's the thing. Uh, even
0: if it's not your fault. The client, from the client's perspective, it's 100% your fault.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I take responsibility. Yeah. Like, I that's know the in thing, my mind, yeah. but it doesn't matter. Oh, I know matter. you do. Yeah, so. Yeah.
0: It doesn't It doesn't matter. You're right. That's the best way to look at it. It doesn't matter because the perception is, hey, I don't deal with the factory in China. I don't deal with the whatever supplier you're using in, in Minnesota. I deal with you, and you failed. Mm-hmm. And you have to kind of eat that sometimes.
1: Yeah, it's tough. And one of the things you said there about lessons in failure, back when I did have employees, I used to say this all the time, if something went wrong, however large or small, hey, it's okay. Now let's figure out what went wrong there and put a system in place so it doesn't happen again.
0: No and, question. You know, so. No question. I think that's the way I go about it. So, so the guy who sat on the, uh, the promo that missed the event date sat on it for 364 days or, or whatever. So he used it the next year, right? And then you never were able to sell to him again?
1: Well, so this is a family business, and my mom's got a long-standing account with him where it's just like he sends a PO and for something they need, and he can't switch that, right? But then he's got right. little promotions he comes to me for like uh, just throughout the year for, uh, I think we've done Bay State, actually, I want to say, for Pizza Cutters, mm-hmm. Valentine's mm-hmm. days, and uh, they were the sponsor of this fine broadcast.
0: Yeah, by the way, there are no finer pizza cutters in the industry than the good, good goods at Bay State. They are good goods.
1: And that's what we like to call a mid-roll in the industry.
0: (laughs) That's right. A little bit of mid-roll in there.
1: But anyways, so what was I talking about? I don't even remember. Um, Oh, okay, so holiday gifts. Yeah, we do holiday gifts with them too. And I'm having trouble remembering right now if this past Christmas was the year he used the beanies. I think it was the year after it. I think, I think it was. But I didn't do the pizza cutters, I'll tell you that much, this past spring. So, yeah.
0: yeah. So, let me ask you this. So, what have you learned from those, those type of mistakes? They've happened. You've obviously learned from them. What would your, what would your big takeaway be uh, telling someone new to the industry? What would your biggest takeaway be? How to avoid that in the future? For
1: this specific example, this is what I struggle with because I was babying this order to the point where – I might have been annoying to the factory, but I mean, I don't think it was that much. I know we as distributors can be annoying uh, to factories, right? Mm-hmm. I think we all know that. But right. I don't know if there was anything as a distributor for this specific example that I could have done differently. Because at the end of the day, it was someone in there shipping and receiving that might have read it wrong and right. you know, clicked – yeah, it's whatever. And it, let me back up. For I have a event every year in August or at the latest September where we invite our uh, multi-line reps out to a nice place and bring our clients in to talk about holiday gifts in August mm-hmm. or September. I am right. a, always pushing ahead and ahead and ahead. So it, I'd like to say, or someone listening might be like, "Well, you could have had the conversation with them sooner, so you weren't in such a rush, right?" And it's like, right. no, I, I'm always working on that." And at the end of the day, the clients aren't ready till they're ready, you know. So right, I, well, I, maybe you have some
0: words. No, on. I, I don't. I mean, there. Here's the deal. We, we are kind of at the whim of our clients, and unfortunately, we tend to be at for, – for and it's wrong, but we tend to be a little bit of afterthought marketing. Um, hey, we got a trade show coming up in three weeks. What are we giving away? We, what are we giving out for our event in three weeks? That type of stuff. Unfortunately, we become – we distributors – um, back when I was a distributor, you become a byproduct of that panic and that hair on fire that your clients project onto you. And so we end up in turn projecting that on the suppliers. It, it's it's a, it's a domino effect. So sometimes you almost and, and maybe I should start a podcast about this, but sometimes mm-hmm. when you know when do you know when it's time to fire a client? And sometimes there are clients who either wait too much to the last minute. They're too demanding. They don't pay their bills or they're complete time vampires and they never buy from you or whatever it is. But sometimes there comes a time. Cut them loose.
1: Can I just say I love firing clients?
0: <laughs> it, it Hey, that, you could say whatever you want. This is this is kind of a, an, an unscripted podcast, but not the yeah. unscripted podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> I've to had to, I've had Friday. to fire clients. Yeah. Oh yeah. Come back on Friday for unscripted. But, um, but I've had to fire clients and I don't take pleasure in it, but sometimes it's like, I don't want to be abused anymore and I don't want to be treated like a piece of shit anymore. And it's just time to move on. Cause you know what? Life's too short. There's plenty of business out there.
1: Yeah. It's not like the love for that, but it's the love for like, okay, this, this same, it's always the same thing. It's a rush and it's small order. And yep. y- you know what I've come to realize recently is it, niching down. Right. And mm-hmm. I, I don't like working with clients that it's their first time ordering swag or it's like a right. one-off because that's re- – I don't know why it took me like six, seven years to really <laughs> realize that. But my sweet spot, and I think for a lot of us obviously, is people that know the process, right? When, right. They're, when they are ordering every quarter or whatever, they know the whole process. And I mean there's there's another recent order where nothing went in the closet of shame. I checked yep. in to make sure – we did pre-pros, embroidery, and mm-hmm. but – it could have been this guy wanted a very complex guy running with a ton of colors on on left mm-hmm. chest embroidery jackets. Tried to explain to him like that's not going to come out well in embroidery. So we did a, a swatch sew out, and he's missing a couple fingers or something like that. And, and so we end up doing the simple version, right? But it was such a hard process to even right. get the order approved because he he doesn't know what he's doing. And he's not listening to me, so I'm trying to right. figure out how I can remove friction you know Mm -hmm. process
0: yeah well you know sometimes as you know sam the juice is not worth the squeeze that's from uh
1: the girl next door or something like that
0: i don't know where i picked it up i would love to tell you exactly where i picked some of this shit up but that just rattles on my head I, i say that stuff all the time let me ask you a quick question Sam. So, what one piece of advice would you personally give a distributor who had an order that just went sideways? It doesn't matter if it was their fault, supplier's fault, maybe bad communication from the from the uh, end user, it doesn't really matter, but the order's gone completely sideways. What advice would you give that distributor so they as they try to save that client relationship?
1: I think first off um, to your client take responsibility you know don't mm-hmm. say anything about people respect that even if it's yep. not your fault right and then to your supplier I think you know work towards a partnership don't on the front end you know be like all smiles or you know, apologetic to the client and then behind the scenes go yelling uh, at the supplier but I think mm-hmm. if you go to them like hey I just want to work on a solution and let's let's figure out what we can do And there are suppliers out there where I've gone that way. Right. And Mm -hmm. then they don't take any responsibility. Then that's where I don't feel the love, you know, and it's, it's like, Hey, if I'm coming to you and saying, let's work this out together and we both know it was your fault and you're still pushing back on me, I don't think we should be doing business. You know, I love that. That's, that's kind of the way I look at it.
0: A couple of weeks ago, I had uh, Kevin Mullaney from Brain Dito on this podcast. I think you know Kevin pretty well. Oh, yeah. Um, and one of the things he said, because this is the one question I ask everybody, you know, what's that one piece of advice? Because I really want people to have some tangible takeaways from this podcast. And his was, and I'd never heard it put this way. I've always said be the calmest person in the room. Hmm. His was control the energy in the room. And I think that's almost exactly what you said. You know, it's you can't go into the client and – be all, you know, apologetic and then go rip other people to shreds. You have to just kind of be that kind of Zen master and, and even keel. You can do that post mortem later.
1: Yeah. It's well I said. love
0: that. I love that. So, last question before we wrap this up What one piece of merchandise would you never, ever, ever sell to a client because you know it would end up in their closet of shame?
1: I'd have to think about that. But um, so. I did some sandals and I was, I told you offline, but, um, that's how I got started in this industry. Yeah. Chico state. Chico feet. Yeah. My sandal company. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. But the, the factory used, um, straps, I had samples and they're very well known and they're, they're respected in the industry, but for whatever reason, the, the domestic, you know, um, representation of the factory didn't know that their actual factory right. in overseas had changed the material on the straps so I was going around Chico and selling these sandals and the straps are ripping off and I'm selling oh, no. them retail, so they have to be like 20, 25 bucks. And this is in the town where shots are like a dollar, right? And they have something called power hour where you're drinking shots for uh, 25 cents in the first 15 minutes of an hour. Like everything's cheap, right? So mm-hmm. it's they're really expensive sandals and they just rip off. So, um, yeah, now I kind of try to stay away from footwear. But I love socks. So You do
0: love socks. Oh, I yeah. have actually a pair of What Up Silicon Valley socks.
1: You know what? Someone just uh, climbed the top of a ba- uh, How do you say? Machu P- One of the seven wonders of the world. Machu Picchu? No, no. Machu Picchu. He just cl- And he forgot to take the picture with the socks. I just talked That's to him unfortunate.
0: That's unfortunate. That's <laughs> unfortunate.
1: Yeah, but it's still cool. <laughs> that is cool. I, I could be lying. You'd never know the difference, right?
0: No, no. You know what else is cool, Sam? That'd be our good friends at Bay State who sponsor this fine podcast. You know how I like to smooth into that, and they've got that uh, great self-promo special, $50, uh, all the products segmented to $50 blocks. Head on over to baystate.com, see what we're talking about. You'll be happy that you did. Sam, I can't thank you enough. You're a good friend and a good man for doing this podcast. Really appreciate it. We'll have to to dig deeper uh, next time.
1: Sounds great. Thanks for having me on, Bill, and can't wait to come visit you guys uh, at the new Promo Corner office in Nashville.
0: Uh, Anytime. Invitation's always extended. Sounds good. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to The Closet of Shame. The Closet of Shame is available only at Promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing and media for the promotional products industry.